You're listening to the latest dose of Bipolar Recorder. This podcast may cause dizziness and blurred vision. Enjoy. Welcome back to Bipolar Recorder. This is Hunter Keegan, back with a new episode for you. It's kind of a rainy, gray evening where I'm at right now. Maybe you can hear the sound of the rain in the background as I'm recording this. Puts you in kind of a reflective headspace, and it's just one of those days where I'm kind of in my apartment wondering what I should be working on. (laughs) So... I decided I would record the intro for this episode. That's my productive thing that I'm doing today. How about that? Anyhow, we had a returning guest for today's show, and you may remember Stu from episode five. He told us all about a depressive episode that he's going through right now, and he and I stayed in touch after that episode was recorded, episode five. And Stu decided that he wanted to come back on to talk some more about mental health topics. So we chose three discussion topics for the episode. The discussion topics were psychosis, cannabis, and medication changes. And it was a really good conversation. I got a chance to talk a little bit about my own experiences more so than I normally do during these interviews or conversations or what have you. So that was kind of fun. I hope you all enjoy this one, and thanks again for listening to Bipolar Recorder. Stu is back. He has rejoined Bipolar Recorder for a second time. And Stu, how have you been lately? How have you been since the last time we recorded? I think it's been about three weeks now. Um, has it been that long? Wow. Um, yeah, I've been low still. Not as low as maybe when I spoke to you. Um, it was interesting listening back, actually, so as reference, because apart from speaking to a therapist and a partner, it's, you know, it's sort of internalized a lot of it. So, um I still say the same. It's the mornings that are killing me. Just, I just having horrible nightmares and then waking up feeling extremely low. But I think that, that like, that's because I was manic for so long. Yeah. So now you're kind of hitting that depression wall and feeling more lethargic and down. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, sort of almost crave and miss feeling manic. Yeah. Because like, <laughs> there's yeah, no that- doubt in that. That's definitely really common. Um, I think um, in one of our offline conversations, you were mentioning that you think your medication is starting to help a little bit. Do you still feel that way or has that kind of passed? I think I think the busperone I need to come off of. I think the busperone is having the alter. I think that worked for a while for the anxiety and now I could almost either do without it. So I'm scaling that back now. I'm sort of, I'm coming off busperone and, slowly so i've taken it from 45 milligrams to 30 milligrams so two tablets three times a day <clears throat> and i definitely feel a little bit more um not as blunted and stunted do you know what i mean 
Yeah. Um, did you talk to your doctor about that or did you just, yeah. just okay, cool. Yeah. I, yeah. Don't, don't worry. I'm not. <laughs> well, a lot of people will just kind of self-experiment with medications, which tends to not work out very well. So I was just curious. Um, I, I had a, I had, a, yeah, I had a, I had a go at that by take, I, I'd gone up to two milligrams of risperidone a day and, um, I tried to stop the risperidone and that, wow, I felt, um, like panicky and ecstatic and depressed and like really, really odd, like really odd. So yeah, anyone listening, don't try it. Um, the bus I spoke to my GP who prescribed it cause it wasn't prescribed by a psychiatrist. So for now, I just felt like, I felt like it was sort of because I read somewhere that busbrone can cause nightmares or sleep disturbances, and I'm definitely getting sleep disturbances and nightmares. So, okay, interesting. If it, if it stops that, I don't know. I was on oh. quite a high dose. I was on the highest dose you can be of of that. So, okay. No, um, I don't know. You you sort of get into. I don't know if you feel the same. You get into this sort of situation when you, it's almost like you you don't know the level of the waves. Do you know what I mean? It's like you don't know whether it's the illness or the medication and yeah yes and sometimes you know like we've been saying the medications can make the illness worse in some ways if there's bad side effects other times it improves things it's kind of like a chicken and egg scenario sometimes yeah it's what it's hard to be what what you'd like to do or what i'd like to do is come off it all and see where i'm at because i went on it when psychotic so Mm -hmm. because i was in a manic phase as I went on to the medication, I, I had to go on it because I was, I was becoming dangerous to myself and other people. Mm-hmm. But um, I think once you're on that journey, it's very hard to trust it all. Do you know what I mean? Because you're sort of at the mercy of the meds and the doctors then and, and, you know, appointment times and all the rest of it can, and the politics involved with it mm-hmm. can get quite um, choppy. <laughs> Yeah, are you are you still writing about these experiences right now? You yeah, still... bits. Yeah, bits. Is that helping? I th- I think it must do to a certain extent. I, th- I don't know. As I say, I'm doing this with you last time um, and listening back, um, because you're not really aware of how you're speaking or, or what you're saying a lot of the time in your tone. So I think it it, um, it was interesting to me to hear the way I was speaking and how I was how I was do you know what I mean during that and then obviously compared to how I was each week after it and times in between that's yeah. interesting was there anything that stood out to you about like what you were saying when you listened back through the other episode what fascinates me is how I can articulate it all very concisely but feel completely terrible at the same time mm-hmm. it's like tripping and I, it feels very you know, it's almost like when you're tripping where it's all going on underneath the surface. So I think what's interesting is the way that when asked to focus or when needing to focus, when you're with another person or you're doing something, a a constructive thing, you're able to put it all to one side and um, almost uh, rise above it. But yeah, I don't know. As I say, it's it seems to be part of one whole thing going back to the psychosis and the mania and, and it's trying to see how that fits together rather than viewing it as independent things. Do you know what I mean? Rather than saying, Oh, I was psychotic or I was anxious or I was depressed. It's seen as a whole encompassed thing. Mm-hmm. 
is helpful. Cool. I think that's that's where I, that's where I'm at, at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, it's always kind of trippy to listen back through recordings you've done. Uh, when I've been on other podcasts, I always get really anxious for the um, waiting for them to go online so I can listen back through what I said, because when you're in the moment, you almost don't realize some of the, or don't remember some of the things that you've been saying. So it's always interesting to listen back through them once yeah. they're out. Um, I, I'm kind of in the same boat when it when it comes to that. So like other podcasts that I've been on, I, I do like to listen back through them and just kind of like hear myself and be like, well, did this make sense? Did that make sense? Was I articulating this correctly? Blah, blah, blah. So yeah, so, yeah it's um, I think it's because when you're suffering with your mental health, everything's so fragmented. Do you know what I mean? Everything is um everything split up into minutia of, of like seconds or minutes or hours or days. And it's very hard to get that long, long view over things. So I think it's interesting yeah. how well you can cope. Do you know what I mean? That's, 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 that's why I think sometimes it's frustrating with friends and family and relatives that they don't understand. It's because you're putting on such a good front. You're putting on such a, a, a uh sort of pretense to try and get through it's it's but obviously with what we were doing we would we were you i was i put on a pretense of feeling okay enough to talk but talking about what is wrong so it's interesting in that respect i think because um i'm usually locked into a battle minute by minute in my head do you know what i mean mm -hmm. like i should go and kill myself now i should go and kill it do you know what i mean this, this constant I was having a nightmare the other night and I felt like I was in hell. I, just, I can't really describe the nightmare, but I woke my partner up and said, God, I just had a nightmare like I was in hell. And then the instant thought was I should go and hang myself. And it's like, wow. It, but it, it's because, I, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a symptom, isn't it? It's like seeing it as a symptom, seeing it yeah. as part of illness and seeing it as part of something separate to actually who you are. Yeah, they call it intrusive thoughts fucking they are intrusive <laughs> yeah right yeah they're super bad i have a lot of problems with intrusive thoughts too even after being relatively stable for a fairly long period of time now like intrusive thoughts they come out of nowhere um they can be really upsetting like you were talking about with like the ones that are like oh go hang yourself or whatever they can be really upsetting and um distressing so i I hear you. That's, I mean, you're definitely not alone with that type of okay. symptom. Um, also, that, that's, that, but that's why, that's why being psychotic is so, um, it's so tantalizing in a way. It's, it's, it's because you don't care about any of that. I mean, I, I, even if you were to have the thought and I have had suicidal thoughts while I was psychotic, but it was, it was almost like confident. It's like this sort of, I'm going to go and kill myself now. Do you know what I mean? And then everything will be okay. Mm -hmm. it, it's more part of the plan rather than a, an intrusive thought. And that's what I sort of, it sounds terrible, but missed, do you know what I mean? I missed that sort of flight of fancy and that fast thought and the, you know, not, not feeling doubtful, do you know what I mean? That the, what you're thinking or feeling is right or wrong. It's like, it's absolutely certain. There's no other fucking thing than what, what you're saying and doing at that moment. 
Yeah, I think when you're in a depressed episode, the mania does sound a lot more tantalizing, but of course, mania and especially psychosis can become extremely destructive and of themselves. And then you're like, once you get to that point, you're like, oh man, I wish I could take this down a few notches, but you can't unless you're, you know, taking medication. I I read in your book when you checked into the hotel and they didn't have your booking and you, um, you got quite aggressive and having spoken to you, by text and on the phone and on, on this. I know you're not like that. So that jumped out straight at me. Like, yeah, he, he definitely was psychotic then. He's definitely manic because there's almost this like certainty that, that, you know, what, you know, like, where's my fucking book? And you don't, you, none of the airs or graces are there. It's like, there's only what you're doing that's important. Yeah, that was definitely a feeling of grandiosity that I had in that moment. Um, Stu's talking about there's there's a scene in my book that happened when I was traveling through Austin, Texas a few years ago, and I had accidentally booked a room at a pretty swanky hotel in downtown Austin. I was using one of those discount room finder apps on like on my cell phone. And these guys at the hotel didn't have my room ready and they were kind of giving me the runaround. And I actually confronted them about it and it, it got pretty tense. Um, I'm, I'm not like, like Stu was saying, I, I'm not really an aggressive person, but um, when you get into that mindset where you think you're, you're flying on top of the world and no one else is on your level. See, that's what I love. That's what I love. I love that feeling. But yeah. But it also gets so embarrassing when you look back on it. Like when I think back about that experience at the hotel, I'm like, wow, that is so like out of character for me. Those people probably thought I was just being a total asshole, you know? Yeah, well, that I, 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 I woke up one morning and decided that the way, the way that I could feel better and the way that um, I could end the pandemic and the political melee that's going on in the West, particularly in the UK and America, was for everyone to change their name to Boris Johnson. So I emailed everyone with the deed poll, which is like this this site, and told them that they must change the name to Boris Johnson. Now mm. that that's very hard to explain when you come down from why yeah. why you've you've decided that the way to stop all the political corruption is to change your name to either Boris Johnson or Donald Trump. <laughs> I just love the idea of everyone being Donald Trump or Boris Johnson, just like everybody. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I just completely and utterly love the idea and thought that's amazing. Yeah, the way to stop this political corruption is for us to change our name to the prime minister or the uh, president's name. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if only it was that simple, that would be awesome. <laughs> it was that simple. That point, <laughs> it was absolutely. I didn't understand why. You're like, I solved it. Yeah, that's it. Like, <laughs> bingo. Here we go easy and i even said you know you could change your name back afterwards Mm -hmm. once everything passes over oh man that's that is funny it's like you got to have kind of a sense of humor about it at a certain point when you think back on those sorts of things otherwise it's just like oh my god um so i hear you um so we've mentioned psychosis a couple of times we actually had a couple of topics that we wanted to specifically touch on today so i wanted to talk a little bit about our psychotic stories 
But before we go too much further, I actually wanted to read the definition of psychosis that I found on the National Institute of Mental Health's website, because psychosis is something that's come up in the show um, quite a few times now, but I don't know if I've ever read the formal definition for it. So um, just bear with me here for like two seconds. I'm just going to read verbatim uh, from the National Institute of Mental Health's website. So it says, the word psychosis is used to describe conditions that affect the mind, where there has been some loss of contact with reality. When someone becomes ill in this way, it is called a psychotic episode. During a period of psychosis, a person's thoughts and perceptions are disturbed, and the individual may have difficulty understanding what is real and what is not. Symptoms of psychosis include delusions, false beliefs, and hallucinations, seeing or hearing things that others do not see or hear. Other symptoms include incoherent or nonsense speech and behavior that is inappropriate for the situation. A person in a psychotic episode may also experience depression, anxiety, sleep problems, social withdrawal, lack of motivation, and difficulty functioning overall. Yeah. That's psychosis for you. The one thing I remember that is, as you were speaking then, that was marked is because it says detachment from reality. It felt almost like I'd entered rea- reality. I, mm-hmm. I wasn't detached from reality. I'd, I'd, I'd rediscovered the real reality. Mm-hmm. And with that, mark things like I could see symbols and signs all over the place. Numbers meant a lot. The number 11 is a big one for me, which is mm-hmm. funny because our last podcast was on the 11th. And it oh, was yeah. That- it was an hour and 11 minutes long, which I just ignored because I thought, I'm not looking at that. I'm not looking oh, at weird. Yeah, I didn't realize that. that. I, did, I Well, the name of the album of the band that I was in was 1111. Because mm. I gave up drinking on the 11 to 11, 2001, which is another story. But yeah, it feels like you've rediscovered reality. And I used to have this smell. There's a smell that is a made up smell. It smells like burning and I could smell it everywhere. I was constantly going, wow, what's that smell? What's that smell? Yeah. I don't know if you've ever had that. Yeah, it's called an olfactory hallucination. And I've never experienced that, but other other people have. Clearly you have. So yeah. yeah. It was constant. It was constant. Like I could smell. Like, What's that smell? And it, it wasn't unpleasant. It's akin to probably incense or weed or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Quite um quite strong smell, but um, like a pungent odor. Yeah, yeah. And it, it would pass. It would almost be like, what who's burning what? But yeah, detachment of reality, that, although that's the definition for me, it feels more like when I was psychotic and I have been psychotic in the past, it feels like I've re-arrived uh, at reality. Do you know what I mean? I've, re- I, I've I, like, this is how it's meant to be. Yeah, I think it feels like hyper-reality sometimes. Like you're, you're just so in the moment and there's all these strange things happening and your brain is trying to process it all at once. And it, it feels like you've discovered like a new dimension or something and you're like, oh, everyone else is just missing out on this or whatever. And of course, it's a dimension that's been created due to neurological misfirings in your brain. So... Um, yeah, it's reality in a sense, but not other people's reality. And that's what leads to problems. It feels ordered as well, because at the moment I'm being very depressed. Everything feels messy. I, I'm like back to feeling like the house is a mess and I feel a mess and you just feel irritated by everything. And 
nothing's inspiring. Do you know what I mean? So the 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 opposite or almost to that feels like psychosis. Do you know what I mean? The the opposite to that is oh, everything's ultra ordered, everything's laid out for you. It's like it, again in your book, I remember reading the places you go seem seem to be the most psychotic places you could visit. It's almost yeah. like unknowingly you would visit. I mean, you'd only have to go to Vegas and it would have been done. Yeah. Like visiting these very psychotic places. Um, when you say psychotic places, uh, what exactly do you mean? Noisy and light and music and busy and burnt into the public psyche as well. Do you know what I mean places, you know, like London is or like New York is, do you know what I mean? You, mm-hmm. you went to Austin, Texas and where else do you, you went to? Um, New Orleans was yeah, New another Orleans. one. To me, Austin, Texas and New Orleans just seem like the most psychotic, best places to be psychotic. New Orleans is awesome. I have nothing bad to say about New Orleans. I don't know if you've ever been, but um, yeah, that is a really, really cool, vibrant, active city. And at the time I was there um, back in 2015, early 2015, I was still drinking at that time. So I was like, oh, this is perfect. Like there's no open container laws. Uh, Liquor is super cheap. Um, everyone, it, it's a very like artsy, alternative kind of social environment over there. So it just feels like everyone's on kind of a unique wavelength and it's very cool. But actually that segues really nicely into what I wanted to talk about um, on my end, which are some personal examples of psychosis. I, I wrote yeah, down a couple of incidents over here that I'm reading back over right now. And a lot of them did begin during that road trip in January of 2015. So that's when I drove from Washington, D.C. to New Orleans, which is about a thousand miles. And when I was on the way to New Orleans, I started experiencing symptoms of mania. So mostly like rapid thoughts, rapid speech, circular ways of thinking, Uh, difficulty communicating with other people because I was just acting like such a weirdo that no one wanted anything to do with me. Like I would be at a gas station and try to ask for directions and people would just be like, get out of here. So um, I, I was encountering these symptoms of mania. And then by the time I got to New Orleans, I decided that I was going to keep driving further and further. There was a friend of mine who lived in Montana in those days, which is about a 1500 mile drive from New Orleans. It's on the opposite side of the country, basically. Uh, New Orleans is all the way south. Montana is pretty much all the way north. And so anyway, um, I'm at New Orleans. I decide that I'm going to keep driving to Montana. And to get there, you have to drive through Texas first. So I drove through Austin. I had the incident at the hotel that I was describing earlier. Um, Definitely feeling very above people, feeling very high on my own energy, I guess. And by the time I left Austin and was driving through West Texas, I was probably about two and a half or three weeks into this road trip. And I started getting this feeling that I was under surveillance and I had no reason to think this because I wasn't really doing anything illegal. I was just in a really weird state of mind. But as I was driving through Texas, 
which by the way, massive state takes forever to drive through. I think it took me like, I had to break it up into a couple of days just because the state is so massive, but I would be driving and driving. And I thought that I was being stalked by um, unmanned aerial vehicles, you know, drones. Um, I was convinced that like the FBI or CIA were trying to fuck with me again, no logical basis for that. Yeah, I thought that my cell phone calls were being monitored, um, which I guess technically they are by the NSA. But um, yeah, it, it was stuff like that. So I started getting really, really, really paranoid due to these delusions. And they kept getting worse and worse. And by the time I had made it to Wyoming, right on the border of Montana, I was like fully losing my shit. And I... I was like freaking out because of just this weird thing that had happened on the way up to Wyoming. And I pulled over at a gas station and I walked inside and I just started rambling to these people in there about how there were government vehicles everywhere and there was all this crazy shit happening and how I was being followed and things of this nature. And it was so strange. And this is more of like just a weird anecdote. But when I was in that gas station, there was an old guy there probably in like his 60s or 70s. And he actually listened to what I was saying. And he followed me back to my car, which startled me. And he started talking to me about what I had just been rambling about. And he started telling me all of this stuff about how there actually were a lot of government vehicles in that area because Dick Cheney, who is a former CIA director, former vice president um, of the United States, he owns a lot of land out there. So I ran into this like older dude who was actually validating a lot of those erroneous beliefs that I had. And it like confirmed to me that I had been right all along, even though, of course, it, it was just a strange coincidence. Well, there's a, he's a conspiracy theorist favorite as well, because he owned Halliburton and he was behind the whole war on terror. And yeah, so you just unfortunately bumped into one of them. <laughs> yeah, he was like, um, he was telling me all about how there's secret service vehicles that are stationed around. Uh, this was in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Uh, right near Yellowstone Park. And he was talking about how there's all these vehicles around and the the satellite GPS that I was using in my car was a way that I could be tracked and all this other stuff. And I was just like, holy shit. <laughs> um, so anyway, this, that's an example of a delusion. And then to move into an example of actual hallucinations, I had some experience oh by the way do you, do you have any delusional stories before i continue too much further with the one that I, I wrote about recently is um early on in the pandemic march 2020 um it sort of took off the pandemic and you know lockdown happened in the uk and it was all getting pretty crazy i was i was very scared of covid but i started to become hypermanic manic i don't know pressured speech grandiose the whole lot I was out in the back garden and I looked up and it happened to be um, a completely waned moon. So there was, there was no moon and I'd never really paid any attention being in a band for years and touring. I'd never really looked up at the sky for years or thought about it. 
So there I am, and I look up at the moon, and there's no moon. So I put my cigarette out and run in and say, you won't fucking believe this. The moon's gone now. Fucking COVID, now the moon's gone. So I run upstairs to my son, who's 12, and I burst in his room and go, Sonny, guess what? And he's like, what? And I'm like, the moon's gone now. And he's like, oh, God. And just like sort of confirms it for me because he's 12. So, and then I go back downstairs and my partner's Googling it and finds out it's, you know, it's the cycles of the moon. It's like, because it was such a clear night and I couldn't see the moon. Mm -hmm. I, I, I really believe the moon had been taken or flown away or, and yeah, it started to, that sort of cascade a whole load of other thoughts that I was in this, some sort of, alternate reality or real reality as, as I now saw it. I don't know yeah. if it counts as a delusion or psychosis, but it, it's so strange how realistic those thoughts feel in the moment too. Like it, like thinking back on it, it's like, yeah, that's totally ridiculous. How could someone steal the moon or how could the moon just suddenly disappear? But I just, you know, like I've thought way crazier stuff when delusional too. I mean, yeah. it's um, it gets fucking wild. It's the feet. It's the depth of the feeling you can't get across. Like what what we're both trying to do is describe that certainty. It's almost like that gambler certainty, you know, like someone who's like ten grand down, they'll 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 keep going gambling, but they'll be certain. I, I was as certain as a gambler, the place that on my thought, you know, I'm certain my thought is right. I'm certain the moon's gone, and I'm certain that has a whole load of. It, it, it intimates or indicates a whole load of other things that are both exciting and terrifying but it's it, yeah it's hard to explain how certain it's like when you're tripping it's like it's really like when you're tripping you know and you'll you'll see spaceships I, mean, I remember one one time I was tripping when I was younger and um I could see the contrails off a plane mm -hmm. and I got it in my head that a nuclear war broke out so I yeah. ran up couple of hitchhikers and went look nuclear war started they're tridents <laughs> and they're like, they're like great this kid is on acid right now like <laughs> yeah well no they they looked for a second this is the problem with interacting other people they looked for a second looked a little bit concerned and you start to realize that you know a lot of what you base reality on is um what other people confirm or deny to you and that's scared that that's scary to me because what can you trust? Do you know what I mean? And then, then you get into, especially in that state, when you're in that sort of state, it's like, well, well, maybe it, maybe the moon has gone. Maybe the government are following you. Maybe Dick Cheney is, has got real interest in my trip from Texas to New Orleans to, to Wyoming. You know, he's, he, he, he might do, I, I'm, I'm doing a very important thing here. Yeah. And it all sort of stacks. It, it stacks in a way that I don't know, slots together and makes sense. I, I always think of, um, have you seen the John Lennon documentary? Imagine. Um, uh, I feel like I have, but it's, it's been a while. A famous scene where he's in his, he's in Tattenhurst, I think it is. Tattenhurst is his manor, his like mansion. And they find someone, an American guy. Oh, yeah. The, the like heroin addict who was living in his yard. Yeah. Who believed that um, he'd written all the songs about him. Mm hmm. And he was like, well, that's about me. And, it, you know, you, you say, boy, you're going to carry that weight. You know, who were you thinking about when you wrote that? And John says, I don't know. I was thinking about Yoko or Paul. And he said, well, I didn't write it. Paul wrote it. Mm -hmm. like, best, maybe I'm thinking I'm having a shit. Or... But this kid just looks completely nonplussed as if, well, no, you wrote that about me. And that, that's, that's, the, that's the essence of it for me. It's like everything is about you and everything is pointed at you and everything is coming from you. Yeah. But this look on his face that just if anyone listening wants to look it up, yeah, if you go if you go to the documentary and find that little footage.
Hey, this is Hunter interrupting my own podcast because I had some additional information on this subject that I wanted to share with everyone um, because I did a little bit more research about this scenario after the show was over and I realized that the guy in the video actually has a name and there's a little bit of backstory about him. So the guy who was living on John Lennon's property was actually a 23-year-old American Vietnam veteran named Kurt Claudio. And he had traveled all the way to John Lennon's estate in the summer of 1971 in order to meet him. And I actually got some of the audio from this interaction and I wanted to share it with you. During the recording, you can hear John Lennon and Yoko Ono speaking with Kurt about his, well, psychotic experience. In the audio clip, you'll hear John Lennon kind of trying to talk Kurt down a little bit. Lennon explains that his songs had nothing to do with Kurt personally, but Kurt doesn't believe it at first. So I'll let the audio speak for itself, and then we'll jump back into the conversation with Stu. I'd know just by reading. But know what? You know, if what I was thinking was true. Well, what were you Is it true? Well, I guess not. Right, I'm just a guy, man. But, the, yeah. but the, it all fits. Anything fits. You know, if you're tripping off on some trip, anything fits, you know. Remember that one, um, you can radiate everything you are, you can penetrate anywhere you go. Yeah. Syndicate everything. Yeah. That was just having fun with words. And... I, I sort of the radicate, yeah, syndicate. Radiate was, she wrote that. Radiate and syndicate. I was just having fun with words. It was an, literally a nonsense song, you know. I wouldn't tell you. I mean, Dylan know, does that. You know, Anybody does it, you know. They just take words and you, have, you stick them together and it's like throwing the I Ching or something. You just see what happens. You take a bunch of words, you throw them out and see if they have any meaning. Some of them do, some of them don't. Your old horror Christian has nothing on you? Yeah, well, he don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, you're it. See, that last album of mine was me coming out of my dream. Yeah. Seems like it could have been different. What could have? Well, before that last <clears throat> album, the way it built up. Well, that was, to me, it was just a hallucination, a dream. It is now, right? Right. I mean, you can last your whole life on that dream, you know? And then it's all over. You you weren't thinking of anyone in particular when you were singing all that. How could I be? How could I be thinking of you, man? Well, I don't know, maybe I don't care me, but it's all, it's all somebody. I'm thinking about me, or at best Yoko, if it's a love song. <clears throat> you know, and I think maybe think about an audience in general. You know, if I'm singing old Hare Krishna got nothing on you, I'm sort of talking to any old friends who've been listening to what we were saying and saying, look, well, I think it's a, it's a lot of bullshit now. You know, let's forget it. You know, and that, as far as I'm concerned, you know, and, uh, but that's it. I'm basically singing about me. I'm, I'm saying, you know, I had a good shit today and uh, this is what I thought this morning and, 
you know, and or I love you, Yoko, whatever. I'm singing about me and my life, you know, and if it's relevant for other people's lives, that's all right. fascinating because there's a look on his face of complete he can't believe that John Lennon is stood in front of him but on the other hand he's not confirming what he he believed which is that you know they wrote this song about him but how could they he says how could I you know the best I was thinking about Yoko or Sean or or you know the other guys in the band I wasn't thinking of you you're watching this kid have like this very bizarre moment in his life mm. um and I can't imagine how strange that would be to have John Lennon talking to you, like just at all in general. But yeah, to but that didn't break him out of it. That's what hit me about it. It didn't break him out of it because once you're in that, like when you were in that state, when you're in that garage, I mean, even if, you know, Alice Cooper had walked up to you and said, you know, Dick Cheney is following you or isn't following you, you it wouldn't almost matter because whatever you are believing is already crystallized in your head. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard to it's so hard to explain because that's where you end up grandiose or you end up quite arrogant with it. You know, no, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this is how it is. That that's that's how I was. You know, like the fucking moon's gone. Mm-hmm. What are you gonna do now? COVID, the moon's gone. What next? <laughs> you know, so, it, something really interesting that I I read somewhere a while ago is that people who are delusional tend to be also having symptoms of grandiosity because like you think that you're important enough that there would be all these government agencies monitoring you for essentially no reason like why why would you think that you're that noteworthy that you would have all of these people concentrating around you and trying to follow you and stuff so i always thought that was interesting how even though it's like a feeling of persecution it's also a feeling of related to grandiosity at the same time. I thought that overlap was really interesting. It's, but it's, it's, yeah, it's, but the same with me. Why wasn't everyone in the gardens going, where's the fucking moon gone? The moon's gone. Why wasn't it on the news? You know, nine o'clock news, the moon has disappeared. You know, I, I'd, I discovered it. I'd realized it. I'd seen that the moon was gone and I, I needed to tell everyone and started texting people. The fucking moon's gone. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they're obviously going, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's you know it's it's just on a cycle of the moon. You can't see it at the moment. It's there, but it's you yeah. know there's not enough light on it from the, the reflection of the sun. Yeah, and it's like a it's very basic science too. It's like it's a very easy thing to Google, and then you can just find out. Oh yeah, there there's moon cycles. I forgot that there were moon cycles right now. I googled it, but it didn't make any difference to me. <laughs> You're just like, yep, yeah, Google's wrong. Yeah, but well, yeah, it was more like. Yeah, it wasn't like there's agencies trying to control me, but almost like um, I discovered it. You know what I mean? I just need to get the information out there. It's straight. It's straight. As I say, I find it. I find it fascinating because you can't quite get that across to people. You can't. Mm-hmm. The strength of it. That's that's what I I, I find fascinating. You, you know that feeling inside that you're so certain, so certain, and you yeah. can't really explain it you know because it's it's happening to you mm-hmm. like tripping it's it's similar it's similar to tripping but obviously without the other effects of acid yeah it, it's like a a terrible weird trip um but one one of the things when you're in that state of mind that um personally throws me off a lot is when you're talking to someone and you ask them a question and they respond with like an open-ended statement 
like for example um let's just say I don't know I was like in a dive bar somewhere during my road trip and I would be like talking to someone about all these crazy thoughts on my mind and then I would just be like you know what I mean and people would be like no like what like what do you think like what do you think that means and it would just it would like be like they bounced it back at me and it just gave me another opportunity to confirm my belief like what do you think about that I would be like well I think I'm right you know and it would yeah that comes down to what I was saying before how terrifying is you you try and confirm or deny everything through people around you and Mm -hmm. why it's so important when you are struggling to have good people around you I think because having the wrong people around you like as again in your writing that I read you know some of the the group of friends you gravitated towards during uni were not bad people but they were wrong people to be around for you at the time the same as me I I we we were all a bunch of people who were drug abusing mentally ill coming from broken homes and we all sort of stuck to each other like magnets mm-hmm. that, that's what's terrifying for me because I think you are very open to a suggestion so if you meet the wrong person in a garage or you are at college with the wrong people mm-hmm. it can unknowingly send you spiraling you know I think that that's what that's what happened to me a lot I, going into the pandemic I'd been around musicians and being around a lot of conspiratorial talk you know 9-11 being an inside job or mm-hmm. aliens on the moon or uh, do you know what I mean the, all the you know the the bohemian grove and all that shit it, it never confirms and denies anything it just says well you don't know do you do you know what mm-hmm. I mean so you constantly have these conversations and I think they say that if you believe in one conspiracy, you're probably going to believe in all of them. So if you believe Diana was killed, you believe 9-11 was an inside job, you're more likely to believe in aliens. You're more likely to believe that, you know, the presidents are picked by some group of, of people called the Illuminati who control Hollywood. You just <laughs> keep stacking it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all, all great examples. <laughs> all awesome examples of delusions. And then the next part of psychosis was hallucinations, which I have a little personal example about. Um, So that manic episode that started in January of 2015, it began with delusions and then eventually it graduated into delusions and hallucinations. So by spring of 2015, I was experiencing psychosis that had not just delusions, but also full-on hallucinations, which brought a whole other level of weirdness and freakiness to things. Um, In addition to just the neurological misfirings that I had going on, I was also using alcohol really heavily. And um, I was also abusing prescription anti-anxiety medication. Uh, So like I had a prescription for Xanax or something and I I would just like, you know, abuse those, which did not help anything. It just made my symptoms worse um, naturally. And so what started happening is I I was living at my parents' house at the time and I would start seeing and hearing shadowy figures lurking around my house, like especially at night. And so it started where I would like catch something out of the corner of my eye. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and turn to look and it's gone and you're like, what was that? And then eventually it turned into seeing like full human figures kind of like creeping around behind the trees in my backyard and stuff. Um, 
And I would hear them talking and sometimes the conversations would be just clear as day. Um, they would say like harassing things to me. Um, there was one night where I was on the upper floor of the house and I thought I heard my dad speaking to a police officer in the living room. And I was hearing like this full conversation. So I, I walked downstairs to, you know, get to the bottom of it. The house was completely empty. So I was like, well, maybe they're hiding in the basement. So I went into the basement with all of the lights off and I was just walking through, like trying to, you know, catch whoever was down there in my mind. And suddenly I, I turned around because I thought I heard something. And then I just heard this voice clear as day say, this is where we sleep. Like, right, like just the way I'm talking to you right now. And it was really fucking scary. Mm -hmm. um, so those are the types of hallucinations that I've had in the past, you know, seeing things, hearing things that aren't there. I've never smelled things that aren't there like you have, but that's another thing that can happen I, I didn't realize it was part of it the smelling the, the one i had was seeing signs and symbols like i i get into anagrams and stuff so when i got prescribed risperidon i worked out the anagram of risperidon is prisoner die so i decided i was a prisoner and wow. they were trying to kill me so the psych you know and he was fucking with me by by giving me this anagram medication so it was almost like he went give him some prisoner die because you know we got him locked in the house because of covid but we're going to kill him now and the other thing is sort of like visual disturbances of like I'd see tiles with numbers. Mm. So the bathroom tiles without numbers and I could read them. And the only full blown two hallucinations I had at that time was my partner's face went evil, like just turned evil, like, mm. like a horror film, evil and scared the shit out of me. So wow. much so that I reacted. We were sat in bed and I looked at her and it just all of a sudden her face went. And then around that period, we were walking down and I, walking around the park and I, I looked up at the trees and I saw what looked like giant spider webs. And then I looked and I thought that must be for the giant spiders. And there was like, no, again, like with the moon, there was no doubt. I was just like, well, that's where the giant spiders live and didn't really say anything to her because I don't know, it just seemed obvious. Do you know what I mean? There's giant spiders in the park. So not, not so much what you experienced with the, the people but i have had that sort of out of the corner of your eyes things on the floor insects creatures whatever but yeah it it's so disorienting and weird too when you have something that's that realistic happen or that seems that realistic happening um it, it there's periods in my memory where i can remember like the progression of the hallucinations and how they got worse and things like that but then i have like these missing pieces of the timeline uh where like there's like several week long periods of time where i simply cannot reconstruct what was happening or what was going on because it was such a disconnect from reality that i guess my mind to this day cannot repiece it together in any sort of way that makes sense yeah so. I, I get that yeah I, I, when i'd 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 written down stuff and i write read it back and it just makes no sense like plots for films that i think are a brilliant idea that i'm going to send off to hollywood and <laughs> just just yeah just completely detached from reality well from this reality but you know complete in of itself so that's what I mean. It's got a feeling to it. It's like got a smell. It's got a feeling. It's got, 
and there were I hate to say it for me there was something like that last time I was psychotic there was something enjoyable I don't know if that's because of the mayhem with COVID going on I sort of insulated myself from it in this fantasy world where I knew the moon was gone and there was giant spiders in the park and a, a smell of burning that I quite enjoyed <laughs> or whether sometimes it can be and sometimes it can be terrifying I mean I've had other times where I've been psychotic and it's 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 terrifying at the same time but mm-hmm. yeah more more using drugs I think more times when I've used drugs and I've I've completely detached is, is yeah really when I've I've struggled you know so speaking of drugs one of the other topics that we had on the um schedule was cannabis and bipolar disorder and i was wondering if you would like to introduce that topic or what your thoughts on that are difficult one for me cannabis so i've smoked cannabis my entire life from about 13 never had a break from it even though i went into rehab for booze and pharmaceutical drugs and came clean from them and also had problems with coke but gave it up as well yeah very easily on my own without without intervention that six month period where i was abusing coke but weed i've always used but up until recently and then about a month ago two maybe two months ago it just was making me feel anxious as hell it i think i've been i told myself it was helping i was taking weed oil and i was smoking weed and it was toning down the top end of the manic phase, I would imagine. But it got to the point where um, just even one drag of a joint would would send me into an almost panic attack. So now I've quit it. So first time ever in 46, well, no, 40-odd, no, how many years? 30-odd years, 35 years, something like that. I haven't smoked weed, and I don't know. I don't, I, I, I'd be interested to hear what you say, really. Wait, do you use it to, to self-medicate or do you use it? Do you like weed or? Um, I don't really, I guess I partially use it to self-medicate because I historically have used it. Um, well, okay. So let me put it this way. So I started smoking weed on a pretty regular basis when I was 16 and I continued using weed for up until I was about 21 years old. And then that's when I first got sober at age 22. And for the first three years of my recovery, I didn't use like any substances at all, but I was having like terrible anxiety. So one of my psychiatrists prescribed Klonopin, um, which I took um, as prescribed. I wasn't abusing it. But Klonopin is so addictive and you build such a tolerance to it that I didn't feel comfortable continuing to use Klonopin on a regular basis. So I sort of talked to my doctor about it, but at the time, marijuana was still fully illegal in the state of Virginia. So I, I wasn't able to get like an actual medical prescription but I started driving into Washington, D.C., which is right across the river from where I live. And it's really easy to get uh, marijuana there. So I started driving to D.C. to get weed. And I replaced the Klonopin with marijuana. And I started using it for its anxiety-relieving effects and for like sleep and appetite. 
Um, but there's definitely a recreational component to it as well these days. Um, I, I don't drink or use like hard drugs anymore. I haven't for almost six years now, but I do still use marijuana and it works well for me personally, but I've got some statistics or some research here that I pulled up, um, before the show and, So here's the thing with like the actual scientific research right now. Some studies are showing that it's relatively safe and can help with things like insomnia and anxiety and stress relief and things like that. But then other studies are saying that cannabis use can actually trigger manic and psychotic symptoms, which I've subjectively seen with other people who I know. Like like I know people, um, this friend of mine, like, she used to be fine with weed. And then nowadays it's like, if she does one hit of a bowl, it just throws her into a panic attack. Um, So she can't use it anymore. So definitely different strokes for different folks. Um, There was one study that I found from 2017 by a researcher named Susan Stoner, which I thought was funny. she uh her research suggests that marijuana use is actually correlated with higher suicide risk too um studies have shown that people's genetics are what makes marijuana impact them differently um in certain contexts it can give you intrusive thoughts i I, that's why i started noticing when i when i wanted to give up it was it it was straight away taking my mind from being quite quiet because of the meds i'm on to this noise and some of that noise was negative. So that's what I just, I just had to take the, I just had to stop it <laughs> for me. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of, a lot of people get intrusive thoughts when they're on weed, probably even if they're mentally healthy people. Yeah. Um, but what I find when I'm high on marijuana is not so much intrusive thoughts as it is ruminating thoughts. Like I'll get a thought or idea yeah. or memory stuck in my head and I, I just yeah, can't definitely. stop thinking about yeah, it. Definitely. So yeah, sometimes what? that happens. Um, but... Yeah, definitely. That, that, see what I've done to come off it, I bought some CBD only weed. Mm-hmm. So weed you can buy legally in Europe and UK. And it's um, the hemp plant, so mm-hmm. it's not marijuana. So it's just got it's got I think like thirteen percent CBD and a very very low level of THC. It's got hardly any THC in it, so it's legal in this this country. And I because I, I like the flavor of weed when I smoke. Mm-hmm. That 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 doesn't have any psychoactive components. So it'd be interesting. I, I think it's it's probably people needing to do research on it really. Uh, when, when it becomes legal in this country they'll probably do more research but i think the thc in it is what doesn't agree with me yeah do, do you get overall good effects from the cbd do you think it makes a noticeable difference i can't tell because the other meds i'm on and i'm like on a roller coaster with meds at the moment like i said i've just you know i'm trying to scale back the busperone because i think it's giving me nightmares so i was taking cbd oil and mm-hmm. then i i happened to call upon this forum and saw that you can order this CBD weed and it's perfectly mm-hmm. legal, get it posted it. So I thought I'd try it just to try and wean myself off because I was quite a heavy cannabis user. Mm-hmm. You know, I could have the taste of it and you get all the different strains, you know, all the, all the same sort of haze and all the rest of it. So I got a very small amount, I got about, I don't know, about three grams of it sent for about 20 quid, about $40. Um, 
but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'd have to, I'd have to tell you when I'm not doing it anymore, when I run out of it, because I'm, I'm not planning on buying anymore. I'm trying to give up smoking full stop. Mm. Um, I don't know. I think there's, I think, I think that there must be something in it that, that people like me or you crave. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a double-edged sword. Like, like you say, your friend who, who now, if she has one, one bowl or one hit of it is, is having a panic attack. That's me now. I mean, mm-hmm. I just, I can't, I can't deal with it. Yeah, I really wonder how and why that switch flips like that. Um, I I do, you know, I've got mostly good experience, a mostly good relationship with weed these days. But you know, sometimes it does get weird. Um, I've I've always told my psychiatrists who I work with that I use marijuana, and some of them say that it's bad. Others are ambivalent about it. Uh, my yeah. current psychiatrist. He doesn't necessarily encourage it, but he doesn't discourage it either. So I, I don't know. I think it's a real mixed bag right now, and there needs to be more research about it. I think, I think it's a hard one because it can obviously send you into a space that isn't very good, you know, paranoid or what have you, just with one, one hit of it. Um, and I've seen that with people who don't suffer with mental health. You know, they just they they have they have a strong reaction to it and they're, they're gone um particularly with eating it you know i know people oh eat, yeah yeah it, it has a much much stronger effect i i don't know for me for me and my advice to people would be i wouldn't i wouldn't be self-medicating with it if you think you have a mental health problem because it's dangerous and it, and it has been for me you know but it, that's not going to make any difference because if you get it's all dealing with symptoms, isn't it? If you're not sleeping, you're not eating, and you have a joint, you sleep and eat, then that is better than not sleeping or eating. So mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to be black and white about it, really, I think. Yeah, it, it seems like a pretty, like I was saying, a pretty mixed bag, and it's a pretty controversial area right now. I know just from my peers who are bipolar, um, everyone seems to have a different opinion about it. Some people say, you know, absolutely not. Other people say it's fine. Um, For me, it's been fine. That doesn't mean that it would be fine for you or someone else. I think it's kind of one of those things where like, if you are bipolar and you're on the fence about it and you don't have any experience with it, maybe it would be best just to leave it alone. until yeah. you're unless you're working with like a physician who who says that it might be a good idea or whatever um it's like it's like and it's like with the meds though isn't it it's almost like another form of medication isn't it it's like when when we started at the beginning of this you said and i said i'd scaled off my bus for and you said well, we've done that with the physician's approval and i was like yeah i think yeah if you could get to a point where physicians are administering it and they know what they're doing and you can you can be honest about it i think it may have some good good effects. I I, I mean, it, it definitely kept me tapered down when I was psychotic. Mm-hmm. But um, once that wore off and I entered a period of anxiety and depression, it was a big, big no-no for me. I mean, as I say, I was having pure panic, just pure panic, even, even from a, a couple of pulls of a joint. I was like, wow. Yeah. Right. It's strange, as I say, because I, I don't know what flipped that switch. I don't know whether it's the meds I'm on or whether it's a state of mind but yeah i think probably in countries where it's legal and you can get people 
to actually guide you through it it might it might be something that would be useful but yeah it's a difficult one isn't it yeah and it's also really hard if you're in an area where it's still Ill- illegal um because you don't know the strength of the strains you don't exactly. know exactly what the strains are etc cetera, etc cetera. exactly all that yeah Something that I always mention when it comes to marijuana is that all medications have side effects. There's a lot of antidepressants that can cause suicidal thoughts for some people. So it's like with everything, and especially with bipolar disorder, where the disease, or I'm sorry, I keep calling it a disease, um, but I think the proper term for it is a disorder technically. But anyway, with this disorder, there's so much that is so subjective and varies from each person that, you know, it's going to work for some, just like some traditional medications work well for some, and then others don't, others have bad side effects, you know? Um, So I'm not sure if that's exactly the best way to look at it, but that's how I look at it. It definitely makes you feel diseased though, doesn't it? It makes mm-hmm. you feel ill at ease, doesn't it? Bipolar. That's that's why I think you probably he- head towards saying disorder seems like a malfunction, but it doesn't feel like a malfunction. It just feels like you're ill at ease with where you're thinking. And mm-hmm. yeah, you you were mentioning you when we were speaking before. You were saying you change your meds. Yeah, yeah. Did so- you do that yourself, or did you? Um, yeah. So that's a great question, and thank you for bringing that up. So I, um, with my doctor under his guidance, uh, recently reduced my mood stabilizer, which is Lamictal, because I'd been at a very high dose of Lamictal for a long time. And my goal is to start moving away from medication, not completely, but I do want to reduce some of the meds that I'm on. So the first one we started with was Lamictal, which is also called Lamotrigine. Um, because it, I felt like it was causing brain fog and I've felt like that for a really long time that it was just causing me to have difficulty concentrating. How Uh, did you isolate that it was that one that was causing that though, Hunter? It's, you know, that's such a good question. And to be honest with you, I'm still not positive if it was the homotrogene, but I did some research and I found that brain fog is a common side effect of homotrogene, but not of the other medications that I'm taking. Uh, So that's why I originally suspected it. And my doctor felt the same way. So anyway, we reduced the dosage from 300 milligrams to 200 milligrams. And what happened this was about three weeks ago. So what happened is I felt fine for about a week. And then I actually experienced hypomania for a few days. And it was the most significant hypomanic episode I've had in several years. You know, I was, um, I was like not sleeping. I felt very energetic. I was super productive both at my day job and on my moonlight projects. Um, I finished working on a bunch of creative projects over just the course of a couple of days. I got a ton of work done at my day job. So it was productive, but um, I think last Friday night, it was like I just slammed into a wall and suddenly I lost all of my energy and all of my motivation. And it was basically, I basically had a couple of days of, um, I, I wouldn't say bad, but it was a depression. Yeah. You know, um, 
and I was kind of clawing my way out of it earlier this week, and I'm feeling better now, but I think it's going to keep taking some time for my body to adjust to the lower dosage, and worst case scenario is if another situation like that happens, I am probably going to have to go back on the, the old dose that I was taking, which I don't want to do, but you know, there's pros and cons to everything. But isn't, and, isn't it managing your behavior? Because obviously if you, if you're taking something, you know, is causing brain fog, which is sort of depression or, or sort of cloudiness mm -hmm. and you leave, leave that off, you are going to have more energy. So therefore it's down to, it's almost like taking the dog off the leash, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? You, it's almost like you've got to, you got to have some self-control. I'm not saying you don't have self-control, but it's almost you got to you got to have some moderation in your behavior yourself without that chemical moderation. Surely, because yeah. you seem less medicated this time speaking to you than last time. You seem, I seem... More, you seem more animated facially. <laughs> you, know, you just you see you seem more. Um, yeah, I don't know whether it's because we spoke more now or or because of the medication, but you seem. You don't seem as um morose <laughs> yeah well it does it does make it, it that's what i was saying with the bus run it may it, you could because that's why i asked you how did you tell what which, which one it was it's because you do a bit of googling don't you but you also sort of know because with risperidone risperidone really didn't do anything apart from stop me being manic but once i added the bus in i could feel like you know my sex drive dropped off i, mm -hmm. I got depressed um i feel sort of muted do you know what i mean just sort of like I, I can't be asked with being asked i don't know and as i've sort of scaled the dose back this last week well last few days only two or three days even two or three days in i feel more awake mm -hmm. but it's, it's hard and it because you don't want to mess with it when it's working for so long and it's doing what it's doing yeah because i want to come off meds that's what i want ultimately i want to get to a point where I can control my behavior with the least medication in my system as possible. Yeah, it, it's really hard when it comes down to neurology and chemical imbalances and, and your brain at the end of the day, um, because you can control some of those behaviors and activities through, you know, different types of therapeutic techniques like cognitive behavioral therapy or whatever. But sometimes there does need to be that pharmaceutical intervention, especially for bipolar type one. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I like I had just been stable for so long um, that I was feeling confident in coming down off of some of those medications. And now it's something that I'm realizing that I have to monitor very, very carefully. And, um, you know, I'm going to talk to my doctor about it some more next week. And I hope that I can continue trying this lower dose for the next, you know, couple of months, see if, see if it works out in the long run. Is it, isn't it hard to tell what's hypermanic and what's just not feeling so affected by the drug? Do you know I mean, I'm not saying you weren't hypermanic. What I'm saying is it's, it's, it, it's always hard to judge, you know, like I was saying with the weed thing before, it's like, it's hard to judge what's doing what. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Especially when you've been in a situation where you come from quite dark psychosis and mania and, and all the things go with it. And then you do get a sort of slightly stable, but that stableness can sometimes be illness in itself, if you like. Do you know what I mean? It's like that isn't optimal. 
that's what I feel anyway. I feel like, you know, the medications will do a job. Like I was using weed for a certain while to do a job and the same as I've been using Busparone or Buspar to sort of manage my anxiety. Now the anxiety has gone. I want to see if I can deal with it. Do you mean like if you have like a baseline state that's already kind of negative to begin with? Yeah. So like it, taking yourself off of a medication gets you back to your baseline. Well, what's no- yeah. What's normal. It's, it's- yeah. Yeah. And then like, if normal is shitty, <laughs> yeah. then getting back to normal is not always um, the most ideal you, thing. Then you have better coping strategies, don't you? Obviously you, mm. you know, if you're aware you're becoming hypermanic, then you have to have the self-control yeah. to go to sleep, not do too much work, not stay up late, to make sure you eat, to make, you know, because sleeping is a big thing with, with people like us, is that yeah. once we get into that habit of not sleeping, before you know it, the moon's gone or you're in Texas, you know. And Yeah. Yeah, that's something that my therapist and I were actually talking about earlier this week, is that with the reduced medication, you do have to have more self-discipline with those other coping strategies and definitely. Yeah, stay definitely. on top of them. That's what, that's what I, well, that, you know, because once I, I cut the, the bus for home down, I, I don't know whether it's in my head that I'm going to feel more anxious, but the next day I started to feel anxious again. And I, the, the, the thing to think then is, oh, I need the tablet. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> luckily, I think I, I'm, I'm willing to give it a few days on things. Do you know what I mean? I like, I just see how it goes for now. And, you know, as long as it's with the doctor's agreement, then we're all right. Yeah. yeah. And, a lot of these medications they take weeks to fully come into effect in your system and, you know? to, leave, and to leave your system as well don't they yeah yeah so that's where i'm at right now is like i don't know if these are just it's just still my body adjusting because the dosage was changed so recently or if it's um foreshadowing something else which i hope that it's not but i do have to be realistic but you're always going to think that it's foreshadowing something else because you've been in such a dark place. And that's, that's the same way, you know, like the anxiety that I had a couple of months ago, out of all the feelings, out of being psychotic, being depressed or being anxious, the anxiety was the worst. The depression mm-hmm. I can see as a symptom of an illness and I can, although it's hard to live in it, 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 it comes and goes and, um, I can use, you know, like today I baked a cake, you know, just, I didn't want to bake a cake, but, you know, I really <laughs> That's didn't. awesome. But I baked the cake, you know, to, to sort of give my mind something to do, but the anxiety is something I don't want to go back to. And I think when you've been using a med to, to, to deal with something, there's a fear of that thing, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you have to have other coping strategies in place, which I mean, I'm slowly learning. Well, baking a cake is a great coping strategy. I mean, cooking, gardening, music, whatever. These are all good things to it. It was my second attempt because I tried to bake a cake four days ago. And it's the first time I've ever burnt something that was raw. <laughs> so it was burnt on the fucking outside. So I took it out because it was burning. And then as I took it out of the cake thing, it just was liquid. <laughs> I managed to both burn it and make it raw at the same time. So... Wow. This was the second second attempt today, and I, I managed to to do it. But <laughs> congratulations, man! <laughs> Thank you. I'll, I'll be having a piece of cake after after we finished here. 
Sounds perfect. Um, speaking of which, uh, we've been going for a little over an hour. Um, I know you said you've got an hour. Um, yeah, do, do we need to stop or did you have anything else that was on your mind? I don't know. I think, we've, I think we talked about most of the things we wanted to talk about, haven't we? I think, I think, the, I think the thing for me that was interesting, that, that, we, that the similarities, as I say, because since I last spoke to you, I've read your book and I, I'm sort of nearly halfway through it now. The similarities okay. of our pathway, you know, of feeling the odd one out, being in school and then having the this psychotic break in in my 20s where where you were as well. But I mean, I, I carried on after that. I think what's interesting for me is that you've um, managed to find some stability earlier on because I think I wrote it out. I wrote it out for a long time without any help. Yeah, the only reason I was able to find stability early on is because I crashed and burned so hard, you know, um, and coming out of that, I, you know, I, I'm very, very fortunate in that I was able to, you know, kind of get my shit together relatively quickly after I crashed and burned uh, after that manic episode and in, in the spring of 2015. I was able to rebound pretty quickly uh, compared to other people. And I don't think that makes me like better than anyone. It's just kind of a weird difference in my own uh, journey with this illness. So I, yeah, like my, my recovery time between when I was released from the hospital and once I started to really feel better was about eight months, I guess. Yeah. And that came with starting a full-time job that was structured and that was, you know, like a real white collar job that I had to be on point for, Yeah, uh, you, you know, and then a couple of months after starting that job, you know, I quit drinking, which was huge. And then after that, I just a few weeks after I stopped drinking, I started seeing a proper psychiatrist again, and then I got on medication and then I started doing therapy again. So that's kind of how that came to be. Um, but that type of recovery process is, is definitely something that varies a lot from person to person. And I've still had major struggles with bipolar disorder. You know, I, I've had psychotic depression since then. Um, I, like I was saying, you know, I just had this little hypomanic incident just a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, it's still, it's still a struggle. Um, but I, I do feel like I've been relatively stable for, for a pretty good amount of time now. It's asking for help, isn't it, Hunter? That's, that's the hardest bit. I think having family or, or friends around you that you can ask for help. I mean, for me, I didn't have a stable job, and I think that's what caused a lot of problems. I think being in music and trying to, trying to make it in music constantly, and the thing with music is you never, ever... You, you're never ever there once you get there there's somewhere else to get and it, that was the problem for me and it just fed into my my illness and I think that's where I missed out I think I knew I needed stability and I needed something structured but I I shied away from it and went towards music and yeah it's a chaotic game and I think that's where you've done the right thing by asking for help and obviously I, I get the impression your family are somewhat supportive to you and they've helped out either 
when you wanted it or didn't want it. <laughs> well, they helped me not become homeless, which is yeah. huge. And yeah, they, they've been supportive in their own way. Sometimes their support was not for the best. Other times it was for the best. So yeah, my, my family and I these days get along very well and they are very supportive. It got you to air, didn't it, bud? It got you to hear and where you are now. So and as yeah. I say, oh, that's that's the main thing. Yeah, but that's that's all I had to say really, Hunter. It was, it was really yeah, about those things. And hoping that it's of help to other people because that's the one thing that I've uh, yeah. I've been struggling with finding other people that uh are going through the same thing because I'm very much a person that that wants to sort it out on my own and I'm learning more and more I can't, you know, and that's part of speaking to you and speaking to other people on Twitter and speaking to psychiatrists and speaking to my partner. Yeah. Just trying to find some stability. Talking with other people who have been through similar things is definitely huge. Um, just really quickly, have, have you checked out any group therapy or like peer support groups or anything? I, I have, I've, I was I was gonna during the height of the pandemic I was looking at joining one but I'm just so nervous about leaving the house with the mm. whole I did group therapy when I was in rehab of course when I was in rehab for alcohol and, and Valium and that but um no it's something I want to but I'm I'm just I'm not really at the point where I'll leave the house and, and walk into a crowded room just yet I'm still yeah, and the, the case numbers are shooting up in the UK, so we're, we're in pretty dire circumstances as far as COVID goes at the moment. Do but they yeah. have uh, virtual? Well, they did. They were all virtual, and then they went back to um, face-to-face. Oh, so, weird. And because, as I say, the measures in the UK have, have completely been lifted now, thanks to our fucking stupid government. Um, yeah, it's all, it's, all, it's all face-to-face stuff. But yeah, it was something I want to... I'd, I would have done a virtual one now. I just don't think I was at the point where, A, I thought I had something wrong when I first got given the, the, the helpline number and the group therapy details, and B, where I, I thought I could add anything to it. But no, now it's definitely definitely something I'd look at. Cool. Well, I hope that, I hope that you are able to find something because I've found that peer support groups can be pretty helpful um, for sure. So... It's been helpful speaking to you, Hunter. Oh, uh, thank you, sir. No, and and re, as I say, reading your book, I re, I, I'm I'm still I'm finding it hard to focus. So when I do focus, I either write a little bit of my stuff, or um, I've been reading your book and using Twitter a bit. But you know, that doesn't help with your concentration. Twitter. It's... Well, I am honored and humbled that you think that these conversations have been helpful and. Um, they've been helpful for me too, because I always love hearing other people's perspectives on things and hearing where other people are at on their journeys with no. bipolar and other mental illness. So, no, yeah. nice one, bud. Anyway, I think that's a good, po- good point to end. Yeah, I agree. Let's uh, well, turn off this recording. Thank you all so much for joining me for this episode of Bipolar Recorder. We are on Twitter at Bipolar Recorder. I am on Twitter at HH Keegan. 
If you have any feedback about the show or you'd like to get involved, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. I also just wanted to quickly remind everyone, if you've been enjoying this show, make sure you tell your friends about it. Post about it on social media. Help get the word out. It's all very, very deeply appreciated. And that's all I've got for right now. So anyhow, thank you again for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day wherever you are. And I hope you'll be back for the next installment. Thanks so much. Bipolar Recorder is a listener-supported show. To help keep the show running, consider checking out our Patreon page or visiting BipolarRecorder.com. Unless otherwise stated, the hosts and guests on Bipolar Recorder are not licensed mental health professionals. Bipolar Recorder is not a substitute for therapy or professional medical intervention. If you are having a mental health crisis, please contact your local emergency services.